On this season of Bringing Down the House, we've talked about how families qualify for our affordable homeownership program and the joys and growth our families have experienced. But what goes on between being accepted into our program and receiving the keys to their home? My name is Allie Parrish, and today, on the season one finale of Bringing Down the House, I am chatting with Iowa Heartland's construction manager, Heath Christensen, and senior site supervisor, John Poon, about all things construction. Stay tuned and reach out about how to get involved through our website at webuildhabitat.org or by following Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity on social media. Find these links in the episode description below. And as always, a special thanks to our podcast partner, CC Podcast. Give them a listen too. Hello, everyone. We are back again for the season one finale of Bringing Down the House. For all of our avid listeners, you're used to only hearing me at the end of our episodes. I'm Nora Schlax, and today I'm joined with the wonderful executive director of Iowa Heartland Habitat, Allie Parrish. How are you today, Allie? I'm good, Nora. It's fun to have you uh, co-hosting today. Super yeah, fun. a yes. little bit different, but season <laughs> finale, and here we are. I know. Yeah, um, it's been a great... 15, 14 episodes prior to today, and I can't believe that today is going to be our 15th, and we're, we're closing out the first season. So yeah, I think we've had amazing. a lot of amazing guests, and today's guests are awesome too, but I think we can talk about them a little bit later and hit right into our mission moment. Sounds good. So today's mission moment, we are heading into the spring and it's exciting because the spring means kind of the end of our fiscal year because our fiscal year ends June 30. But what also happens in the springtime is all of the new foundations are going in and new projects are starting. So as last year's projects are kind of wrapping up, the new ones are always getting started and it's such a fun time of year. It's a busy time of year, but it's really exciting always to see all the new stuff happening while you also get to experience, you know, the end of a project as well, which is is, is great. So um, it's really fun to see all of that and having new families coming around um, into the program. It's just, you know, as as the, the earth is kind of emerging from winter, we're, we're also having some new growth and a lot of new things happening at Habitat this time of year. So it's always such a joy and a blessing to be a part of that. Yeah, I love that too. And I mean, we always talk about how exciting it is to go through the home dedications, but families that are just accepted are so excited as well. And so amazing to have them be welcomed into our program, Mm -hmm. but also start getting to know our construction staff and our office staff and restore staff. Yeah. Super exciting. It's all good, good feels this time of year for sure. So it's super fun. What is also exciting is that for the first time ever on Bringing Down the House, we have two guests today. Two guests. So I have the joy of introducing two members of our construction team. We have our construction manager, Heath Christensen, and our construction site supervisor, John Poon, on the podcast today to talk about construction. Awesome. Thanks, Norm. We'll catch up with you in a little bit. All right, Heath and John, welcome to the podcast. This fun, fun thing that you've, you know, don't see every day, but we're super excited to have you. So why don't we let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? 
Yeah, uh, thanks for having us. I'm uh, Heath Christensen. I'm the construction manager here. And I am John Poon, site supervisor. Nice. You guys are doing good with your podcast radio voices already. <laughs> it's sounding good. <laughs> I've been working on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell. It's, mm-hmm. it's good. I like it. Um, so it's super fun to have you guys here. So this is not what you typically do on a daily basis. Um, no. And we you know, get the privilege of working together every day, but not in a capacity like this, because you guys are always out there making sure that our houses actually get built. And it's the most iconic piece of habitat, honestly, having those houses go up. But I think a lot of folks really don't understand a lot of times the process or how we make decisions about where we build or what we build, what it's like building with volunteers, what it's like building alongside the families, you know, and the missional component of that. So that's kind of some of the stuff that I want to talk to you guys about today, if that sounds good. Yeah. All right. Why don't you guys tell the listeners your background, maybe, and how you got involved in construction? Okay. So uh, I've kind of been tinkering with tools and stuff ever since I was a little kid. Kind of grew up farming and so that kind of leads you to fixing and building stuff and taking care of stuff like that. So I've kind of always had an interest in that. Went to college at Hawkeye Community College and got a welding degree and then after that I was doing some commercial iron work for Larson Construction out of Independence. Uh-huh. From there I was kind of weighing out my options whether I wanted to continue to pursue that welding career or look for something different. And then I saw the ad for the Habitat for Humanity position and it all just kind of fell into place and very happy I made that decision. Awesome. Cool. What about you, John? That first part sounds kind of familiar. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Just, you know, growing up, always messing with things, taking them apart and whatnot. You know, you just kind of know kind of that's what you want to do. You want to work with your hands and Mm -hmm. somehow you end up there. I remember when I was eight years old, I put together my mom's grill because she didn't know how and stuff like that. But... (laughs) She always, oh, nice. <laughs> I love that. You yeah, always yeah. had kind of an interest. Then I feel in... like, a, yeah, a lot of the construction people would have a similar story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that part's really cool because I think so much we think about education and we think about, oh, okay, you just know I want to be this when I get bigger and then I go on this path and I go do this thing. And, and oftentimes that's not really how people end up in doing anything that they end up actually doing. That wasn't how it was for me either. But I think that when I talk to construction folks, it's so interesting that winding path and how you end up truly becoming so skilled to the point where you actually can build a whole house. You know, like if you think about it, that's that's an incredible skill set to have and the ability to do that. Most people wouldn't know how to do that. So the fact that both of you kind of came to it in kind of a unique way and not just like, oh, yes, I trained from, you know, this age sure. to this age to go do this thing and whatever. It just kind of happened. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the affordability side of things. So we think about like the houses that we build. If we think about Habitat being a nonprofit and, you know, costs are important, obviously, and everything. What's the unique thing about Habitat that we do that really keeps the houses more affordable for families to be able to purchase. So as far as keeping affordability on our end, a big part of that is we're selling the homes basically at appraisal values. Mm-hmm. Um, we're keeping their monthly payment based on an affordable income level for the family, mm-hmm. um, which keeps it affordable for the lifetime and then also offering a 0% loans. Yeah, for sure. When we think about affordability, we keep our costs down by mm-hmm. working with volunteers. Yep, yep. Right? so we do a lot of mm-hmm. volunteer work and that's what's keeping that labor price down. Um, on top of the volunteer work, which utilizing that, we're avoiding that labor cost. We're also keeping material pricing down just by getting the best deals possible with all of our vendors, mm-hmm. um, trying to work with the best vendors in the area that are willing to give us those donations and those the help where we need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also utilizing any material donations that we can to put into the homes. 
Absolutely. So, John, you work with volunteers really every single day out on site. Yes. That's got to be a unique experience. And I know, I know I've seen it in action and it, uh-huh. and it certainly is. <laughs> I think people would really love to know how is it building a house with volunteers that don't necessarily have experience? Right. This definitely has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It is a privilege to be working with people who come out and take time out of their own day and their busy lives to come and help us out. Yeah. Because those kind of people usually have a much better attitude when they are working with you. And so, you know, it's easy to kind of relax and everybody be friendly and all that kind of stuff, which is not always the environment in a, you know, for-profit construction job site. So there's that, Um, you know, at the same time, there's the challenge of kind of figuring out what someone might be capable of and not giving them anything too difficult. So you kind of got to try to gauge their level of comfort and all this other stuff. And the number one thing is safety. So you got to constantly watch people who may not be used to doing this every day. Mm -hmm. So they're a little bit of a higher safety risk. But I'd say the benefits definitely outweigh any of that. It's just, you know, it's a a good time. The day goes by really fast. You try to make sure everyone has a good time and Mm -hmm. I don't don't have any complaints. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes when, when and really stop and think about the fact that you guys are not out there building yourself, but you are really teaching and you're coaching and you're guiding and you're helping people that don't come from that background necessarily to come alongside the family and to build this house together. That picture is is really, really cool. And, it, and, it's a, and it's a testament to the staff that we have in that the patience level, you know, that you have and all those things um, and, and that teaching heart, you know, that really enjoying probably seeing somebody learn how to do something that they didn't ever know how to do before. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. That's probably pretty cool. And they've all been very patient with me um, when I've been out on site trying to. <laughs> sure. I appreciate that. You know, yeah. I'm, always, I'm the one that's always over there like, um, what's this thing and why do, and then, you know, I, I need lots of help so <laughs> well we just treat you like any other volunteer <laughs> yeah. thank you yeah I think uh, one of the things that I always remember for some reason every single time I'm on a build site one of ours I've managed to find this the silver bench wherever it is and I managed to fall over it in some capacity so I, I managed to walk backwards and trip over it somehow or I managed to go over it somehow I don't even know those silver benches are not my friends so. yes yeah, we're not supposed to have any a trip hazards on site that's supposed to be confidential i'm calling you out on a safety issue (laughs) so the volunteers though maybe heath you want to speak to this a little bit so you you were also a supervisor when you first started do the volunteers need some experience when they come out or maybe you could speak to that yes and no i would Mm -hmm. say uh the main thing they would need is the willingness to learn and the willingness to help we deal with volunteers of all walks of life as far as experience. Some are highly experienced. Some have never been on a job site, touched a hammer, you know, Mm -hmm. swung a hammer in their lives. I don't think that experience is necessarily the most important thing we deal with. It's more or less the willingness to help and the willingness to learn and to have the patience to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, When we get 10 volunteers on site and there's only one supervisor, it can make a tricky day for the supervisor as far as uh, engaging in every single volunteer evenly Mm -hmm. um, and that time that they get to kind of show them how to do things, explain things. So there is a level of uh, patience needed on that volunteer end and willingness to learn. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So some people always want to know too, like, well, do the volunteers build the entire house or is there pieces that the volunteers don't do? 
Um, and that's like a mm-hmm. lot of times what people don't always understand. So what do you think about that? Do the volunteers do everything? Um, no, they don't. There are tasks that we don't have volunteers to do, whether that be based on safety issues, whether it be based on just kind of quality issues that mm-hmm. need to be performed as far as some of these certain tasks. So we do hire out most of the major trades, the electrical, the plumbing, the HVAC. That is not done by volunteers. Concrete work, also not done by volunteers. We don't let volunteers run any heavy equipment, things like that. Mm-hmm. So most of the excavation is done by either habitat staff or local contractors. But for the most part, the rest of the actual raising of walls, interior finish, stuff like that is... 99.9% volunteer based. Cool. And so, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it, you know, like again, like I said, it's amazing to think about what a volunteer, someone just coming out on their day off or whatever can sure. can ultimately accomplish when led by great people like you guys. So John, I want you to talk a little bit about um, another element of the volunteering side of things is that bringing in the home buyer and the home buyer's family yes. or the multiple home buyers mm-hmm. into that picture as some of our volunteers essentially out there on site. That's an element that a lot of folks don't really realize, right, you know, too, right. in that sense is mm-hmm. um, it's those families building right alongside. So can you talk a little bit about what that's like? Yes, that is probably my favorite part of this job yeah. because they have to do 300 hours of work on our site, which means they'll you get to know them really well. You're mm-hmm. working closely with them, maybe once a week or more, whenever they can manage to come, mm-hmm. uh, you know, days off and whatnot. And you just really get to know the family, get to kind of build that relationship. I remember every single home buyer that I've worked with, and I feel like it's always been a positive experience. There's that big moment that everyone loves at the dedication when uh, you hand the keys over, and that's just kind of the culmination of that entire whole process. You know, at the same time, I really like getting repeat volunteers back too for the same reasons, Mm because you get to know people and uh, you can teach them things and they can kind of carry those skills over. Right. Whether it's a new home buyer, now they have the skills to maybe repair something here and there if they need to mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it's it's overall probably my favorite part awesome. is getting to know the families. You know, Maria's dad is still going to take me to Mexico here pretty soon. <laughs> I love that story. I know. Well, and you really do build, I've seen it in action, how our supervisors do build up that, that relationship and that connection, you yes. know, with the family. And I've certainly seen that with you and our home buyers over the, the years that you've been here, that they really do have a special experience out there because of you and what you do with them and, and how you treat them and how much respect that you show them, which is always so great. And I think that part's really cool too, from an outsider's perspective, to get to see that bond kind of grow right, over the time right. that they're in there. And then when their dedication comes, it's a special time. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to, to that end, you know, what are some other you said, you know, some, it's nice to have repeats, you know, coming out and stuff like that. What are the types of groups that do come out as volunteers on our sites? We get a lot of John Deere. Mm-hmm. So that would be like two or three groups a week mm-hmm. on a typical uh, year. And then we get, you know, church group businesses uh, from the community and stuff. Like, you know, we'll do panel builds with BioLife and, and other places like that. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of uh, real estate companies come this past season here nice. for Women's Build. That was fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a really good mixture, mm-hmm. but you, we have our core groups of uh, the regular volunteers, a lot of retired guys that come and help us out week after week, and then a lot of the John Deere guys, Yep. and then a bunch of different kind of groups mixed yeah. in there. Yeah, so a real eclectic mix. Oh, yeah. Heath, what does that mean to you to be able to have those core regulars, you know, that you know are mm-hmm. people and you can depend on, you know, how what what is the value that they really add? Honestly, I think our regulars groups are probably invaluable mm-hmm. to us. We uh, rely on them for a lot of help. We lean on them for a lot of more difficult projects or 
things that we would want more of a skilled volunteer doing or someone with more experience doing. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our regulars have been coming out with us for years and years. And before that, a good majority of them have prior trades experience. And so that goes a long way, especially uh, on my end, on John's end, um, any of our other site supervisors, just kind of having that core responsible group that you know is going to get the job done accurately and safely especially Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't need quite the leadership or mentorship that some other groups need it's an insane benefit to us having that so yeah i and one of the things i've always heard at conferences or different times when you're kind of interacting with other habitats you Mm -hmm. know from around the country is sometimes how much that group doesn't exist you know for other for other habitats and just when they hear about you know those people with us um Mm -hmm. and how you know how dependable they are and just you know they magically keep regenerating a little bit too as folks you know can't do it anymore new ones come in and yep and how jealous you know yeah. some of the other affiliates really end up being because for sure it's a huge benefit like yeah. and just in my time here i've kind of seen some ups and downs with the regulars just as far as numbers that are coming out yeah uh, when i first started it seemed like the regulars group was huge and they were uh, those numbers were steady mm. for a while it did trickle down but recently our numbers have started shooting back up so it's really exciting to see that regulars group kind of regrow new people come into the group you know and so we're able to develop new relationships, which they tell their friends and family and word spreads. And it's just, it's all around good having the regulars. So it's awesome. And so we have kind of two different groups of regulars where we have a group that kind of is on the Monday, Thursday email list. And then we have one that's on like a Tuesday email list. So if anybody out there knows somebody or is uh, interested in maybe looking into that too, that would be something that we encourage people to uh, follow up on. And it's always based on people's availability. So it's just, if you, if you can come, come, if you can't, can't, no big deal. It's really laid back no yeah. pressure yeah. yeah which is which is awesome there's a lot of good team building within the regulars group too and just camaraderie between that group and we're always happy to have new regulars and yeah. so are the existing regulars they enjoy getting new people in the group and expanding on that and teaching people and so it, it's ideal to continue yeah. this trend with the regulars absolutely um so when we think about like you know, construction and building a house and whatever. It's not like, I mean, it's some, you know, you don't just like snap your finger and tomorrow the house is built. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Sure. <laughs> and you don't just call up and be like, okay, John, starting project today. And I haven't ever thought of anything ahead of that day, yeah. you know? So can you talk a little bit about what goes into the planning before, before a house even gets started? Yeah, a lot, a lot. That is a good question. So there yeah. is a lot of prep that goes into it. It seems like on the front end before there's even a hole in the ground there's a good that's where the majority of the prep work that's where real decisions are getting made Mm -hmm. um, before there's any ground being broken even Mm -hmm. but all of the logistics of materials getting those to and from sites permits we do site selections as far as where we're going to build what home design we're going to build here and why which is usually based on the neighborhood that we're in kind of the market that we're trying to serve at the moment and then on top of that we you know, once permits are figured out, once we figured out our lots, our home designs, we're lining up lumber packages, we're doing decorating questionnaires with home buyers to figure out finishes of what they want, timelines as far as when work will start, when we're projecting to end, hiring and firing of subcontractors, figuring out the best <laughs> deals of stuff. Right. Um, it's not always, you know, flowers and rainbows with the contractors. <laughs> You're kidding. And so, yeah. So sometimes it's uh, there are negatives, but we do the best we can to find all of those on the front end to avoid them. 
what I would say is on some of these construction projects, prep is mm-hmm. a big, big majority of it's it. Huge. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, with you guys especially, um, we've been throwing a lot of, you know, new plans into the mix over the last, you know, few years. Yeah. I feel like poor John has just had <laughs> one new house plan after another. He's yeah. had to been handed to build. And, you know, those aren't always... You know, the simplest and certainly not the easiest to do with with volunteers Mm -hmm. always either. But yeah, what is a little bit, you were talking just a little bit about that strategy. So how do we explain to folks how we pick that? As far as the house design? Yeah. So a lot of that's kind of based on neighborhood needs. What's Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood? What kind of home design will best fit the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. You know, Allie, myself, Mandy, other key staff members will kind of look at what's in the neighborhood. What's a big need in the neighborhood? What we think will best fit Mm -hmm. while we're also weighing timing of projects you know finances of projects there's quite a bit that goes into it ideally it's kind of what we think is best going to fit and what's best going to serve that neighborhood as a whole yeah and so like you know and and, um, I'm a little bit more involved on the acquisition side of things on the property side and I can tell you that I feel like that might be a test in mental capacity because that is like an absolutely insane process just trying to acquire land clearing title on land that's had title issues for for years and years we don't even know who owns half the land sometimes it's like where do we actually get it from it's a pretty crazy process but then i'm sure what you feel like is every single time that i find you a new property i give it to you and it's in perfect it's exactly the size that you wanted it's the same every time it's like a standard, you know, 70 by 100 every yep. single every time. Every lot you've ever like, given me is always It's always picture just perfect, perfect right? I mean, yeah. it's never got an issue. It's just like, it's just so, is that true? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> every lab, just like you said, every lot is picture perfect. No, no, that's not always the case. We deal with a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of what ifs, especially with construction and especially in some of the target neighborhoods that we're uh, working in. A few of them are older neighborhoods. And so a lot of the lots that we're building on have a previous home that was there and there may be a foundation buried or there may be older sewer and water that are coming into the property that maybe have some issues that we that were unforeseen when mm-hmm. we purchased it I and mean, there's no way to tell until you kind of get into it so a lot of those things kind of the unforeseen uh-ohs you could say <laughs> we kind of try to plan for on the front end you don't usually catch them all I think mm-hmm. we do an excellent job of picking up the pieces though and always making it happen yeah but that's kind of one of the kicker items that goes into with the site selection um, being diligent on that looking at issues that may occur down the road and mm-hmm. At this point, I feel like we've kind of run into everything. There's nothing <laughs> Don't anymore. Don't say that. Now we're going to run yeah. into something new. There's not too much that I feel like surprises us anymore or that we haven't That's seen. True. And so I think our team does an excellent job of problem solving, figuring out what we need to do to fix the situation and yeah. ultimately provide an affordable house. And that's what we always do. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the things, too, that's changed a lot over the years as we've kind of gotten more into the older neighborhoods and, and the infill and being more challenged by the lot sizes and the layouts and all that kind of stuff is that it's not one size fits all by any stretch. That's even if you have a house design that you've used 15 times before, every lot layout can be different because if it's going to have an attached garage or is it going to have a detached and is it going to be, you know, which which way is the driveway going to come off of the side street or off of the main street or off of an alley? And, you know, it gets really, really complicated. So for your purposes, John, knowing that Heath's doing all this stuff on this end and then one day he's 
going to say, okay, and go. And you get to show up and there's a foundation there and you get to deal with what you're left with, basically. And and I would imagine lot size and layout can really affect even your day-to-day in how you kind of lay out your site and how you do your job. Yes, that that's that's pretty tough um, mm-hmm. on these lots that we've been getting here in the Walnut neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They're a little on the small side. So that's just every step of the way. It's an extra challenge because you can't get your scaffolding in between the house and the garage. Mm-hmm. You can't, you, have, uh, you start running out of room to store material. You have stacks of material that need to be you know, set aside where we don't have to keep moving them over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's a whole host of things. Yeah. Constant problem solving probably in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it is nice to just kind of be able to get to the job site. All the kind of annoying work has been done and we just get to kind of <laughs> cap the foundation. I think he just called you annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, all that paperwork. <laughs> Absolutely. I get the annoying part though. Right, right, right. <laughs> we kind of hit on that with John too. We're trying to be good neighbors as well. Yeah, and so with a lot of these yeah. smaller lots, that can be tricky. And then also the we got to work with the city a lot for some of these. You know, we're doing site variances depending on what the site plan that I submit to the city for a permit, what that looks like compared to city codes for what they're allowing us to build. Mm-hmm. Waterloo City has been a wonderful partner of ours as far as helping us push through some of these variances that we're taking to meetings. So that's been good. But as I think as far as like John hitting on the, some of the smaller lots, that goes into play. And then also, as like I said, trying to be good neighbors is mm-hmm. a, a top priority of ours. Absolutely. And, and one of the ways that so folks might not even think about sometimes is how we be a good neighbor. Um, a lot of times we're even trying to communicate with the volunteers ahead of time. These are the places in the neighborhood you can park. Yeah. You know, this yep. is where we want you to put your cars and be cognizant of the fact that we're kind of blitzing a neighborhood or a street or a block or whatever sometimes that we might be there for a while. And yeah. It's really disruptive. It could be to the families that are that are living around. So, John, how does that work in building relationships with the neighbors and things like that that you've seen? Well, you definitely get to know your at least your immediate neighbors left and right. Figure out where they park. Make sure no volunteers take their spot. Yeah, stuff like that. Parking is kind of limited in the wall in the neighborhood too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that need that street in front of their house to park. So just make sure nobody kind of gets in their way. Make sure none of the uh, debris from the construction gets uh, blown onto their lawn or whatnot just little stuff like that you always got to be aware of and just get to know them a little bit so it's kind of nice and plus they can kind of keep an eye on the construction site when you're not there Mm -hmm. which uh, most people have been pretty friendly out there at that walnut neighborhood it's awesome yeah yeah and that's that extra set of ears and eyes is super valuable to us as well because you know things are left there for a long time heavy equipment expensive right. things sometimes tools and things that yep. you know yeah. even if, even when we lock it up sometimes it can be um, a great mm-hmm. enticement for someone <laughs> to maybe come along and every construction site is subject to that yeah exactly. out in that walnut neighborhood though I've seen very few problems in comparison it's, yeah it's been a pretty so good cool. time out there that's awesome So um, real quick before we uh, change the topic, I guess, we don't only do new construction. That's something in the last few years, you know, we've been changing up to and getting back into more of uh, full house renovations as well. So maybe Heath, you could speak a little to how is that process maybe different on the start? Sure, it is different. There's a lot to it. That's kind of a good question, Allie. Some of the beginning processes of those rehabs, a lot of times what that'll look like, Allie will present me with a house. Hey, we're going to meet at so-and-so address at three (laughs) o'clock and then all of a sudden my heart sinks 
and don't know what we're walking into just on past experience. So me and Allie will go tour a house. Maybe we'll have a couple other staff members with us. We'll decide whether or not we think the house is feasible for us to take on as a rehab. Usually we'll design a scope of work for the lot and then kind of try to put together a budget for what that will look like. Some of the rehabs we do are easier than others as Mm -hmm. far as things that need to be done. Scope of work, finances, stuff like that for what it's going to take. We have never started one though that we didn't get done and we don't have a family in so that's a good benefit. It's a lot different organization piece than it is on a new construction, though, Mm -hmm. just because on these uh, rehabs, you never know what you're necessarily going to get into, Mm -hmm. especially when we're walking them and there's drywall up, there's ceilings up, you know, on some of these older homes. We really don't know what we're going to be looking at until we get into demo. Yep. Well, you can't purchase this house after you dinner. You can't start demoing it before you purchase it you know it's a bit of a gamble kind of goes back to just the core team that we have you know doing all this it really takes a team to do what we do and I think we always do an excellent job of finishing what we say we're gonna absolutely yeah and you a brave team for sure because I'm sure John that's totally different experience too leading volunteer teams potentially on a renovation versus you know a a brand new construction that's right everything is harder on a remodel yeah Because you're trying to make pieces fit together that weren't meant to, and and you're trying to update something that was not built to code. It might be dirty. It might have uh, hazardous materials in it, possibly. Mm-hmm. So you got to be extra careful with PPE and and stuff like that. Yep. Stuff like lead paint. Stuff like asbestos. We have to deal with right. all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So I guess maybe somebody would be like, well, why in the world would you do these then? You know, if they're mm-hmm. harder, they're t- they're got hazardous materials. Like I, I think that's probably one of the questions I hear the most is like, well, why don't you just tear it down? Mm-hmm. So Heath, what would you say? Sometimes it's not always a cheaper route to tear it down. Mm-hmm. And then to go with that, a lot of these neighborhoods, they don't want to see you tear these homes down. Exactly. A lot of these homes are early 19th century, late 1800s even mm-hmm. that we've redone um, in some of these older neighborhoods. And they've been in the neighborhood longer than any of the people have mm-hmm. been there. And so tearing these houses down is not necessarily the ideal situation. I think if we can fix anything, If there's anything savable and we can save it, whether it takes time or not, I think that's the route we should go and continue to go. We get a lot of positive feedback, too, from uh, local community members, neighbors and stuff when we do do some of these remodels. And especially a lot of the older folks in the neighborhood that even as they were growing up, little kids riding around the neighborhood, oh, I remember seeing that house and back when it was so-and-so in the 1940s or something. And now we've remodeled that house. And it's just a lot of really touching moments on some of these remodels. It's really rewarding, too. Some of the houses that we've redone, they were pretty rough Mm -hmm. when we started. And now you see the finished product and it's really something to be proud of, especially for the volunteers that have helped on it, the staff that have done it. A lot that goes into those. And like I said, I think anything we can save, especially with market prices right now, Mm -hmm. is a really good route to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, While we start to wrap it up here, a couple last things. So do you have any particular memories that stand out on site? Again, Heath used to build on site too, Mm -hmm. but you're always out there too. John, you've worked so with so many teams and families. Is there any one memory or something special or maybe a category of memories that kind of stand out to you in your in your jobs oh man it's so hard to pick one <laughs> I'm like totally putting you on the spot and you yeah. didn't know these questions ahead of time <laughs> I, will, I will say I'll never forget a home buyer on a women's build her name was Mindy mm-hmm. and her husband's name was Floyd they just they were always so positive yeah and always really willing to come out to site and work as hard as they could Cool. And um, you could really tell that. Well, what had happened was she was putting a, a door frame together, doing the framing, and she whacked her thumb really hard. People <laughs> do that yep. a lot, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> yep. 
but she actually broke her thumb. Oh my gosh. Uh, she had to get it wrapped up. So someone wrote there right on the inside of the door frame, Mindy broke her thumb here. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, she came, she was still working that day too. I remember just not with that hand, but, right. but it was just kind of memorable, um, kind of, kind of awful, but <laughs> how it, <laughs> just her whole attitude about the thing was something that I won't forget. Absolutely. I love that story. I love that. I kind of have a few. Um, one to touch on with John, the home buyers, the relationships that you build with the home buyers and their families is uh, unmatchable. Yeah. Just kind of some of those bonds that you make. I will, yeah, like John said, I'll never, ever forget a single one of the home buyers that yeah. I've encountered. And then just kind of the effects that we've had on their life by doing the service that we're doing. So that's always great, especially running into them outside of work. You know, you're at the grocery store or something, you run into an old home buyer and just touching base. It's those relationships are super special. Outside of that, I always kind of think back to El Salvador. Yeah. I really, um, I've been to El Salvador now a couple times, built houses down there. That is a tithe partner of us, and so we donate some money to them. I will always have a piece of my heart down there, mm-hmm. just as far as the relationships I've made down there, um, people I've met, things we've done down there. And then uh, it's very eye-opening, too. Yeah. Just the experiences that you have down there, you know, it, uh, I would highly encourage anybody to take an overseas mission trip, do something like that, do some service outside of your local area, mm-hmm. because it'll definitely affect you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, So the last thing I want to ask you guys is, you know, you are incredibly talented people. You are incredibly smart people. You really could work anywhere. Why do you choose to work for Iowa Heartland Habitat? It's kind of a no-brainer for me. Before I took the position, it was kind of up in the air. I wasn't for sure if this was going to be something I was going to like or not, or if I should keep pursuing my welding career. From day one, I fell in love. Mm -hmm. I... I've never looked back. I think a big part of it is the relationships that we build, whether it be the home buyers, whether it be the volunteers, other contractors, neighbors, just kind of seeing what we do in the community is super uplifting and it's inspiring. That's the biggest piece for me, yeah. I think, is just the actual seeing the hard work, the help that we do actually pay off in the end and affect these families is you're not going to find that anywhere else. Yeah, Awesome. I find Habitat really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that's how I actually got hired on because I, I, when I first moved to Waterloo, I just saw all these Habitat houses and where I I lived in a bigger city before and had never seen a one. (laughs) I feel like there's quite a few going on here, but I wanted to check it out and somehow just got hired. Yeah. And I I really like the job because like I said, you know, there's the relationships between all the people you get to meet. Mm-hmm. It's uh, something different every day. It's not just like one thing that you're doing all day because we go through every build phase and just the attitude on site. Yeah. It, that makes a big difference in your day when you don't um, have any negativity around you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that piece is always the most interesting and heartbreaking, I guess, for me to hear the construction staff talk about or just even just interviewees that don't ever get hired here uh, on any facet is just how the the positions they've had in previous places you know just how poorly people are treated or just how negative the environment can be and and you guys lead that really well here to ensure that to help the team stay positive because it's hard you guys have a hard job and it's hard days sometimes but your team is so special how you guys work together and, and try to stay positive you know and keep things positive 
positive, which right. is awesome. Well, we're going to wrap it up here, but just you guys, this has been awesome. Um, John, I think th- I say you have the patience of Job, which might not mean much to many people, but if you <laughs> want to learn the Bible story, you can read it. Um, you, are, I've never seen a supervisor like you, honestly, where you are so good with the families. You're so good with the volunteers and you have the patience it takes to continue to come back every day and do it and not get burned out. You have a great work ethic. You've been so fun to work with. Um, Heath, I've, I appreciate your flexibility so much. I throw everything under the sun at Heath and he just takes it and he <laughs> goes and runs with it and we figure out how to knock it out of the park from new house designs to new ways of doing things and different size lots and yep. um, new people and everything. And Heath has just been like lockstep every step of the way. Let's do it. Let's do it. And that is invaluable. Both of you are invaluable to, to me and to our organization. Thank you for everything that you do. Absolutely. So great time spending yeah. with you today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Bet. All right. That was a wonderful conversation to sit in the background and listen to, but I am back and ready to ask you guys some trivia questions. If you'll have it, are you guys willing to stick around? <laughs> they don't have a choice. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> excited because normally this trivia would be stuff that you two would know and I absolutely would never know. So I'm excited for this one. I'm not sure. This one, maybe you guys will know, maybe not, but I think it's it speaks to our mission and we talked a lot about today why everyone likes to work here and this is Habitat for Humanity as a whole. So how often is a Habitat for Humanity affiliate assisting a family with access to new or improved housing around the world? How often? How often? Oh, wow. My gosh. You just like throwing it What an easy question, Laura. Thank you. (laughs) I would say often. (laughs) Um, That is not an answer. No, I I mean very often. Uh, (laughs) Multiple times daily. I mean, it's got to be nonstop. Let's say every hour. Ooh, every hour, hour one family is served. Is that what? Is that kind of the, okay? That's a, that's so you're guess. saying every hour? What's one hour. you're saying? Yeah. Two a day? Let's say I know uh, I'm gonna up it. But let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go like four four a day. Four a so day. One every three hours. Okay. okay and then every go. hour, I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna like drop it low. I'm gonna go one every ten seconds. Ooh. <laughs> and I well, always that's, end that's up being like line with the often really answer. wrong. <laughs> Allie, you were definitely closest. Ooh. So it's every 21 seconds ah, a yay. family is being served by Habitat Affiliate. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. Yes. Every wow. 21 seconds a new family's getting a home or a repair or what mm-hmm. have you. Sweet. That's awesome. That is that's a lot. I would never have guessed that much. Me neither. Oh. That's crazy. I oh, I really didn't think that was that much. <laughs> I'm usually really wrong, so you guys are my good luck charm today. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> That's why Allie answered low. It was kind of like, right. yeah. hedging my bets. Somebody's you know? got to go there, yeah. It's like the price is right. Allie picked $1. <laughs> the closest with not going over. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you guys for being with us today. It's been so much fun. Yeah, Yeah, that was such a fun episode. And we think that this was the perfect way to wrap up our season one as the finale. And so we just want to say thanks again to Heath and John for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for a great first season. We will be back in about a month for season two. So definitely don't forget to follow us on social media. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can find those links in our episode description below or on our website. 